0: Welcome to another episode of the Good Steward Podcast, the podcast for Christians in Canada who desire to be good stewards of that which God has entrusted to them. I'm your host, Brian Hilt. This episode is a continuation of our last episode, where Craig Ferguson and I were discussing the principles of biblical stewardship. Join us again for this episode as we discuss the sovereign ownership of all things.
1: We talked about stewardship a general idea of stewardship touched on a number of bible passages there but now we get to look into the idea of sovereignty who sovereignly owns all things so as we examine this topic as christians in a biblical context we have to look at that if we're managers then who is the owner we are managing for And whose will are we managing according to? So there are a few passages in connection with that that also come to mind. As We've started talking about stewardship in connection with Scripture. I think it's a good idea to continue with that theme. uh, Take a look at a couple of passages in relation to sovereignty. So the first of those passages that I'd like to bring up is uh, Psalm 24. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Right away that uh, we're hit with the beautiful simplicity of the Psalms. Whose is all things? The question has a simple answer. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. There's nothing of God's creation that doesn't belong to him.
0: I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. (laughs) There's actually not a whole lot to say there. (laughs) No. (laughs) I I look at the following verses and you see, in essence, the grounds in one way for that, because God says, I've created all things, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But we don't really even have to touch on those. The first part, for purposes of this podcast, it really just is very clear. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness therein, all of it. Yeah, hmm yep. No,
1: and it, it's helpful that we have such simple language in the Psalms because we tend so quickly to carve out little areas of our lives and little areas of the world and its goods and uh, its fullness, and we say, well, this is mine. This area belongs to me, uh, and yet very clearly we have here, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein.
0: Very good. Uh, next passage you have there, Craig.
1: Here we got Psalm 50. Take a look at Psalm 50. Encourage those also who are listening to uh, have their Bibles out and take a look too. Uh, Psalm 50, look at verses 10 through 12. And here is also the uh, related teaching connected to what we've always already talked about, as we saw in Psalm 24. Uh, God speaks here. And makes it exceedingly clear his ownership of all things. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Let you take that one a little bit, Brian. (laughs) Well,
0: I... I really shouldn't chuckle but as you're reading that i'm i think it's easy when you read the first part when you say for every beast of the forest is mine mm-hmm. well those aren't usually beasts that we as humans would assume possession of right they're roaming they're free etc yeah but then you get into the second phrase and the cattle upon a thousand hills right yeah and that in my reading of it on you know, even on first glance is where it really comes home. Mm -hmm. Not because I own any cattle. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But because, you know, we live in an agriculture community. Yep. There's agriculture all around us. And so this is something that's very easy, just even on a practical level to see. The cattle upon a thousand hills, though they may be in farmer jim's pasture yeah or farmer murray's farmer murray's <laughs> that wasn't even intentional <laughs> they all belong to god and doesn't matter you know whose dairy they may sit on etc but ultimately they all belong to god right and that's when in my preparation of it that really helps bring it home mm-hmm. it's a very practical aspect because then you go to, well the fowls of the mountains, the wild beasts of the field, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But the cattle really bring it home.
1: Yep. No, for sure. And that's an area, like I said earlier, that, okay, well, that's what what we do. Oh, no, that's not. Okay. Those cattle don't belong to us. Um, uh, And as far as the other animals uh, referred to in this text, we have creatures who are beyond our reach. And that's a big part of why we don't tame them. We don't domesticate them. We have yet to find a way or a reason to. um, But like Brian said, they're wild. So uh, just generally speaking, I mean, there are a few people who have learned to communicate with and even uh, have some semblance of a relationship with some wild beasts. But God owns them. Uh, they are his possession just as well as those happy cows in the pasture.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, very good. Uh, moving on, I think 1 Corinthians 10, 26 is the next passage we were going to take a look at. 1
1: Corinthians 10, verse 26. Uh, it's a reiteration of that first psalm that we read, Psalm 24. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's a certain significance to the fact that this is quoted in the New Testament as well. Um, showing that the New Testament church understood what Israel of the Old Testament also uh, confessed. And, and they confessed the same. So the sovereignty of God is not something that somehow, some way was only true. Uh, for israel or it was only true back in the old testament but it remains true for us today um, of course we look at all of scripture that way all of scripture is instructive to us um, it does add a certain weight to it to hear hear paul quoting
0: from that psalm yeah i agree um Leviticus twenty-five twenty-three. So we just were in the New Testament. Now we bring way back, I guess, to Leviticus 25, 23. In this case, talking about land. And the land shall not be sold forever. For the land is mine for years, strangers and sojourners with me. And here the reference... That we're looking at, is obviously, is that the land is mine. It's talking about not selling it, um, and why not? That it's not sold forever, and why? Because the land is mine, mm-hmm. and uh, once again, showing that though we, well, we're pilgrims and sojourns here, you know, from an earthly perspective, we think of ownership that we we own this. We are my names on the deed and stuff. That's just temporal. That mm-hmm. that it belongs to God.
1: Yeah, this also um, speaks to how we have to treasure that which the sovereign God has granted unto us. I mean, to sell the land that he gave was uh, effectively similar to what uh, Esau did, which was selling his birthright for pottage. Um, the, The case here with the Israelites and their land in the land of your possession, which uh, verse 24 makes clear. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. This land of their possession was given to them by God. And so for them to waste it or to cast it away or to sell it away because they didn't care about this gift of God um, was forbidden. They may not do that. That speaks to us and the gifts that we are given as well.
0: Indeed. Two more that we'll touch on here. I uh, feel like we have touched on sufficient enough to already to establish that for sure, but we'll touch on these here as well. Psalm 104, verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Once again, the works are God's, thy works. And then the last part of the verse, the earth is full of thy riches. So not the earth, just the earth itself. Good point. But everything in the earth, thy riches. Mm-hmm. Um, the earth is full of thy riches, meaning God's. And of course, here the psalmist is singing praise to God, singing out to God, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. I think the Psalter number is going through the back of my head right now. But uh, hmm. Thoughts on that verse, Craig?
1: Well, I think it actually sticks out to me as uh, I said earlier that I'm from Western Canada in the beautiful uh, province of Alberta. We have at the front of everyone's minds right now out there is uh, the engine of the economy, oil. Uh, And so when I read the earth is full of thy riches, it's hard not to think of oil. I bet you people out here in Ontario would be quicker to think of agriculture, quicker to think (laughs) of things like that. Maybe the salt mines out Um, on the lake. But uh, just that idea that the earth is full of riches and they are the riches of God. I mean, we live in such a bountiful world and it seems all around us, we are surrounded by riches and yet they are God's. Uh, It's easy. It speaks also to our tendencies, which is that when we see those riches in the earth, we leap to the conclusion, this is mine. We both have young children. Mine, mine, mine. That's the root of so many battles and fights amongst them. And yet, this is a reminder, the earth is full of the riches of God.
0: Yeah, and it, it's interesting to sit and ponder this. So as we're sitting here and you, you bring up oil, and of course here in Ontario and in Iowa, where I'm from, we probably wouldn't think of oil <laughs> in Iowa, we would think of black dirt, which goes down deep and yeah. you can wash away a few inches and seemingly doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, if you sit back, you know, we have a beautiful day today when we're recording this episode and you sit out and you could sit on the back deck and you hear the birds and this and that. And it's almost like, well, yeah, of course it is. right? And yet we don't often sit and really think about it. We get right. kind of busy going about our lives. and mm-hmm. So it's good to sit back and reflect on it, even in going through this for the podcast. Um, the last one I want to bring up, and as with most of these verses, as we touch on it, I feel like we're not really doing justice to the entirety of the verse, but that's okay. I know that that's not our point. Um, that's Genesis 1, verse 28 where we read and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And I think the point here we want to take once again is God's sovereign ownership of all things. But even here back after when God created all things, um, you know, he, he gave man dominion over the fish of the sea and over all of these things. But he didn't turn the creation over to him. Right. God didn't just turn the creation over, say, here, I've made it. It's yours. Mm-hmm. But he still today sovereignly controls all things so that all things are worked out by him. Mm-hmm. And that is really the beauty of, if you think of God's sovereignty... My mind's kind of just thinking of this now on the fly, so (laughs) I'll be careful. But God's sovereignty in relation to this, God is sovereign, and it only makes sense that he's sovereign over that which he owns. Mm -hmm. Um, If we owned it, and we were to say that God's sovereign over it, but we own it, then we're like puppets. Right. But God owns it. Right. And so he sovereignly, as owner, controls it still today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of, of having dominion over it um, is an interesting one as well. I think we can tend to think that this dominion exists kind of all on its own, but the, the proper right dominion of man over creation is not just something that is inherent to man, but that he can only do it in and through Christ. Um, I think that brings up our stewardship. We have to put it in the right place. Uh, The stewardship that we exercise, the dominion that we exercise over that which God has put into our hands as stewards, we need to look a certain place for the knowledge and the power to do that. Um, That was the case. That is the case with the earth itself. Is the case with all of the gifts that were given. Uh, And that's because we can't be sovereign, too. Like you said, there's you can't have multiple sovereigns. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. they're mutually exclusive. So you've got God who is sovereign. Well, he is sovereign then, and no one else really is. And so our dominion of the earth and over the fish of the sea, our fruitfulness and multiplying and replenishing and subduing, those are all under that sovereignty of God.
0: Indeed, I was... In preparation, I, I was referencing Kelvin's commentaries. Right. And he goes on a lot more about this, but it was interesting. He goes into the use of things without the acknowledgement of the one who owns it. Right. And so that for... Uh, to put that in practical terms, I think that a, as a Christian, I could use this i could manage this in this way and as i acknowledge that it's god's and that's the purpose for my management of it the way that i am the a, a wicked person somebody who's not a christian could in essence manage that asset in the same way but without acknowledging the ownership of it right If it were an investment, it could be invested the same way, and yet that's not stewardship, because they haven't acknowledged the owner of it being God.
1: Right. Uh, That's a great point that Calvin makes. I think he also um, connects it uh, in other places. I'm not sure if it was exactly where you uh, were researching, but he talks about that in connection with prayer before we eat. Um, The food that we eat, we have to acknowledge the owner, the one who gave it. He said only a brute beast doesn't pray before he eats and so there's a there's an inner or there's a connection there too
0: very good well um i think we've demonstrated the ownership sufficiently so the first point to circle back to the beginning uh the first point being what is a steward what does that word mean and the word stewardship and then now we've looked at so if you're to manage, then you're to manage for what owner. Mm-hmm. So now we've put that connection together that God owns everything. As Christians, we're called to be stewards, to manage as God has commanded us to. Um, so let's put the pieces together and apply it to the life of the Christian. Uh, there's a article from the Standard Bearer. For you listeners, the Standard Bearer is a publication. It's put out by the Reformed Free Public- Publishing Association in Grand Rapids. Um, I'll link to some articles from there in the show notes. Um, in his article on stewardship, Reverend Kuiper, who at the time was the pastor in Lacombe, Alberta. Um, of course, he's not any longer. But at the time, he was pastor of Emmanuel Protestant Reformed Church there in Lacombe. When he wrote this article, he... Uh, Goes over three applications of this truth, and we're going to go over all three once again to emphasize the different aspects of stewardship. So, uh, one we've talked about already, um, which we referenced in First Corinthians four, verse one, where ministers are stewards of the mysteries of God, and. He says here, and I'll quote, Ministers are called to work with these mysteries of the gospel, teaching them and preaching them, calling to faith regarding them, and they must not change those mysteries in any way. They must not fail to proclaim their faithfulness in their relation to one another and in their application to the present day. God will ask every minister in the last day, What did you do with my mysteries which I have showed to you? What did you do with all the details of my counsel that are revealed in Scripture, and you were called to preach? Were you ashamed of these things, or did you proclaim them with joy and conviction? End quote. So that's a quote from Reverend Kuyper. I think he sums it up quite well. In this case, once again, talking about ministers, but that they're called to be stewards of the mysteries of God, and uh, as is all believer and. In- the office of all believer, of course. Uh, thoughts on that one, Craig?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, one thing that Reverend Kuiper brings up there that set me to trembling is that idea of giving an account. Um, I think it hits you with the seriousness of stewardship, what that really means. Um, I know for myself as someone who's not an expert, on a number of financial levels, I wonder if I'm taking care of my money the right way. I wonder if I'm putting it to the use that it's supposed to be put to. Um, And then to consider that I'm going to be called to account all the gifts that I've been given as a minister is called to account for how he has dispensed the mysteries of Christ. That definitely... Drives home a, a serious edge to this concept of stewardship, um, and yeah, to think about that, to stand before the Holy God, and to have to answer for what I what I've done with what He's given me.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure, that is something. As you even say that, and you think about what, yeah, it's 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 sometimes easy. To sit and think, Well, yeah, but they're ministers. That's their calling. They're preaching from a pulpit. Right. And they're preaching publicly, of course, and yet we are as well. Right. And you know, going back to the Reformation and the office of all believer, that all believers hold the office of prophet, priest, and king, we're still all recalled even to be stewards of the gospel. Right and the manifold grace of God. Um,
1: Yeah, that treasure of infinite worth.
0: Yeah. Um, Just here briefly, I guess, we'll touch on these other ones as well. Um, We've, the first one here that he makes, which I'm addressing as the second, um, that we stand in a steward relationship to God and the household of his creation. That there's many gifts which are to be used for the service of God and in his kingdom. And God will judge every man as steward according to as his works have been, whether they were good or evil. Once again, that there's uh, certainly more to stewardship than what's often you know, impugned upon the word, I think, by the world today that it's strictly financial mm-hmm. or maybe about land. You see that we're to be stewards of the land.
1: Right. Yeah. With the environmentalist movement today.
0: Yeah. And that right. more being, you know, take care of it for the next generation. Right. Um, not necessarily because it's God's, right. but to preserve it.
1: Because so, it's Mother Nature's.
0: Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So sarcasm insert there. <laughs> <laughs> so... The one thing you don't get through a podcast is uh, facial (laughs) expression, so insert sarcasm there. But then the last point that Reverend Kuyper makes here in his closing paragraph, and this is a pretty short article, uh, I think maybe it's best if I just read it, uh, so I'll quote it. The outstanding characteristic of a steward is faithfulness. Yes, we ought to be cheerful and content as we go about our labors in the kingdom of God, but it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That is the chief thing, faithful to God in whose house we labor, faithful to God who is worthy of our best and far more, faithful to God who has saved us from the wrath to come by giving us a place in his covenant house, end quote. I don't know that we can really add anything to that <laughs> uh, that's a pretty tough one yeah
1: no that's and it's that's a very good point that Reverend Kuyper makes I mean, a steward is pretty useless if he isn't faithful he hasn't done what he's supposed to do and I mean when I hear it of course I think a number of other people when they hear that too are gonna come to the same conclusion then woe is me because so often we aren't faithful so often we fail um, and so I think one thing that we're trying to get across and talk about today in all of the going to scripture is that it's only in God and through God that we can be faithful stewards. Um, and the great joy is that it's his pleasure to make us faithful stewards and to instruct us and to teach us in that. Um, and so I think it's also a good to consider the seriousness of that calling to faithfulness, well, put a good effort forward. Try. Understand it's that vitally important. It is a very important thing uh, to desire to be faithful, and I think that's uh, definitely a takeaway from what Reverend Kuiper has said there.
0: Yeah. And while you're, when you're speaking there, I I made a quick note because, you know, putting together an outline here and such, you try to address a topic and there might be a part that I left off that we should touch on. And that is, you just referenced it, that being a steward, that we're unable to be stewards of ourselves. Right. And... So it's not that, you know, okay, now you are a faithful steward and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but that God works, it's God who wills and does, and so it's only by the grace of God that we're able to be stewards. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, in that call in in all of our aspects of life, once again, it brings us before the throne of God in prayer, beseeching that God gives us that grace that we may be a steward day in and day out of what is his.
1: Right. And it's a it's a consistent need. It's not as if we come to a place where, oh, made it. I got it. Uh, and, and that's not really what we're after here either. I mean, it is good for us to increase our knowledge of these things, to learn of these things, to, to understand them and know them more. Um, But we always stand in need of God's grace and God's strength that he gives us uh, in order to walk in this way and to uh, be stewards. And we know that for the sake of Christ, he will see us and call us faithful stewards, but he'll also work that faithfulness in us. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think this is just, it's a very positive way to march forward into stewardship is to know that God wills for us to be good stewards, and he provides us the strength to do that.
0: Indeed. Well, Craig, I think we've, I'm going to use the phrase, sufficiently scratched the surface. There we go. (laughs) I, uh, you know, not being trained is in exegesis and and such, but um, delving into scripture and studying it, I think we've sufficiently scratched the surface, for lack of a better way of saying it, Um, there's much more that could be said, I think, but we've covered the topic well for these episodes. Uh, so originally this was going to be one episode, okay? but I have a feeling it's going to be two episodes. (laughs) That's all right. I'm going to say thanks for joining me for these episodes. And I look forward to discussing many more topics with you. Uh, for you listeners, please subscribe to the podcast via your favorite podcast app, whether that be... You know, on an Android phone or an iPhone, certainly. Then there's the uh, podcast app, whichever whichever device you have. I think even Blackberry probably has one. Oh boy! For those who still Jim have Jim Balzili got one on there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, as well, please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Not to stroke our ego, but because it helps the show get found. If yes, somebody, exposure. Yeah, if somebody you know is searching for a podcast such as this. And then please share it with your family and friends as well. So until next time, we wish you the very best. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Good Steward Podcast. It is our hope that you found these episodes once again to be profitable and edifying as you strive to be a good steward of all that God has entrusted to you. If you have a question which you would like to submit to the hosts, please submit it to question at goodstewardpodcast.ca. Once again, that's question at goodstewardpodcast.ca. Please take a minute to review the podcast and please share it with your friends, family, and others whom you think may find it edifying as well. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Steward Podcast. We hope you tune in again next time as we address another topic from the aspect of biblical stewardship.